Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 37 for Monday, November 2nd, 2015. folks and welcome to gig gap where uh we come together and talk about all the fun stuff that we do and uh all the trials and tribulations that we have and the successes and the failures and everything that has to do with being a working musician here in durham new hampshire i'm dave hamilton here in las gatas california it's paul kent how are we paul kent I'm great. And you're back in the saddle again. So I guess we got some stuff to talk about tonight. We do. So yeah, you, um, you inspired me, um, in part at least to, to make sure I played every day, uh, which turned out to be a really, really good thing. Uh, it totally helped me get not only back to where I was before I, I broke my wrist, but way past that. Uh, my chops That's have great. My chops have not been this good since high school. There's really something to this whole practice every day thing. That's what they say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And it worked out because I had, um, I've played a ton. I had a gig Friday night with chafed, which is the band that never rehearses and you never even know what you're going to play. Uh, and that gig, it was a Halloween party. We play every year, uh, sold out party, tons of great people in costumes and just a real blast. Um, and we had, we had a lot of fun with it. Uh, we wound up playing some tunes. We played Thriller, which none of us had ever played before, and it went really well. Uh, and the same with Uptown Funk, which actually is a tune I'm pretty sure your band does. And, and I'm sure you yep. spent time actually learning it uh, more mm. than between, say, the off-ramp from the highway and the, the, you know, the turn into the gig. So I heard like a good verse and a half of that tune. With the, I mean, I've heard it before, but, you know, with, with an ear towards what do I need to do to play this? And, um, and that was about it. Uh, cause I got a text in the car from, from Maddie saying, Hey, make sure That's you know, pretty these funny. Two. yeah, but it went pretty well. Man. Yeah. So those are, those are two pretty challenging ones. So tell me about, tell me about thriller. Did you play it in the original key? I have no idea. Pro- I would say probably not, but, but yeah. it, it, it was up there. And Maddie has a, a great sense and ability to sing falsetto and sell it. Um, so yeah, so it, it may very well have been in the original key. It was certainly you know, it was certainly up there. He was doing it in falsetto and we, we segued it into Billy Jean, uh, with also on the fly. Yeah. Cause why not? Why wouldn't you? Right. Um, so I'm interested so you have a good keyboard player in this band. Nope. Nope. It's two guitars, bass, drums, and a, and a wow. singer. Yep. Yep. I, I, and so now, now my mind is reeling because certainly you need, you need some of that ethereal noise to make thriller work. And then there the horns that are in Uptown Funk are yeah. pretty prominent. So what the heck, man? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, another guitar player and a snare drum that can uh, pack the punch that you need, if not the, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the timbre of, of the horns. Yeah. Well, you're intrepid, if nothing else. Yeah. Well, and that's it. You know, people, people are into it. So, um, so that gig went well. And then, so that gig went nine to midnight. We played... Maddie always get when he gets into it, we wind up playing more. So we played till about like 12, 15. Um, and then my next downbeat was at 11 AM the next morning outside. 
so, you know, it was an early, an early start. I think we left the studio here about nine and just to get set up and everything. It was uh, a gig before the university of New Hampshire uh, tailgate or before their football game. It was in their tailgate area. They, they have a band every week and, or every time there's a home game. And, uh, and we were it this time. We ran off a generator at the gig, actually playing wise. And that was with fling. So a different band. We played really, really well. We sang really well. I mean, it was just butter, you know, from the first note. You were warmed up. Sure. Four (laughs) hours of sleep. Yeah, man. I was totally warm. (laughs) So it was just a long break between gigs is what it is. Yeah, not that long, to be honest. I mean, I got home. Well, I mean, relative to to gig breaks, which are usually 20 minutes. Yes. You took a four-hour break, and then you just kept on going. That's correct. Yeah, pretty much that, that was it. I had to set up my drums in a different spot, but, you know, details. That's right. Details. Yeah. But um, so we get there and there's a stage and I mean, it's a nice setup. And behind the stage, they have one of these generators. But this is, you know, industrial strength generator. It's one of those that has the big, huge, you know, whatever, 50 foot pole with big halogen lights on the top of it. They use to, you know, right. light fields or whatever. Uh, obviously, we didn't need the lights because it was it was a beautiful day that we totally lucked out with the weather. It could have been really cold. It was 31 when I woke up at like whatever, 815. But by the time we got to the, the thing, it was, you know, in the high 40s, low 50s. But the sun was just beating right on us. No, it, it actually was fine. You know, you're moving, you're humping gear, you're moving stuff. And and by the time we played, it was like 60. But we were, you know, we were warm and it, it, the temperature was never a problem. But, oh, I'm, I'm just right now imagining all of my you know local California friends who listen to this, hearing the words 31 degrees yeah. and looking at their, their phone or their computer or whatever they listen to this on going, what? <laughs> so Fahr- Fahrenheit is what I'm talking about. Just <laughs> just to be clear. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they they we set up and they, they hadn't come around to fire up the generator yet, which was fine because we needed some time to get all the gear on stage. We did our own sound. Uh, but, you know, outdoors, the sound is just easy. You know, as long as you have enough, the ability to move some air, you're golden. And, um, and you know, you don't have to EQ much. You don't have to tune out a lot of feedback because there's not a whole lot to bounce off of. And it's great. So uh, so we get set up and maybe it's uh, 45 minutes before we play and they come over and turn on the generator and it's fine. And the generator powers up and we plug into it and we always run. Uh, especially in a situation like that, but even in a normal club, we run through a uh, power regulator and a line conditioner uh, just for, you know, because it's a good idea. And the nice thing is it shows us the voltage of the incoming signal. And I look at it. It's like, it's 96 volts. It's like wavering between 96 and 104. You know, 120 is what we usually like here in the States. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, what the heck? And so I asked the guy who I happened to know, uh, you know, who was helping us with the generator. I'm like, um, so this thing's kicking off about a hundred volts, you know, sometimes less. It was, sometimes it dipped down like into the eighties. It's like, is this normal? It's like, you know, the bands have other bands have used a, a generator here. It should, I, I think it's going to be fine. I'm like, well, all right. You know, I, I don't worry too much about this stuff. My equipment's insured. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's turn stuff on. Let's see what happens. Maybe it'll draw enough power and it'll kick the thing up and it'll be fine. Mm. And so we turn on things. Amps with tubes in them took a little longer than normal to, you know, to warm up and stuff. But everything worked. We use powered speakers. Um, you know, we actually we use Mackies for the most part. And they all turned on and worked fine. Our mixer is a digital mixer that we've talked about here before. And it. It powered up fine. All the, you know, all the pedals and everything. So I was like, well, 
you know what? Maybe this stuff is really built to be quite tolerant. There's enough amps coming off. So who cares about voltage? So we get the thing tuned up. We start playing. It's still at like 100 volts, you know, even with everything mm. cooking. But it sounded great. You know, we're, we're going fine. Played about an hour for the first set. We, had, we were doing two sets. And maybe, you know, three quarters of the way through the set, maybe two thirds of the way through, one of our bass players, uh, he has this little pedal thing that he runs his signal through and it just craps out. It just, you know, stops processing sound. And it's like, yeah. oh, that's not good. So he plugs directly into his amp. He's fine. Okay. Next song, our guitar, one of our guitar players notices, hey, uh, one of my pedals, you know, it's just not functioning. And he, he was obviously running off of AC, not, not off of nine volts or whatever. Right, right. You know, I was like, hmm, okay. And then we finished the set, and the, it just so happened the last song, our one of our guitar players didn't play, so he went out front, and he's like, it sounds like one of the speakers is, like, cutting in and out. I'm like, okay. So we test it, and sure enough, it is. It's, like, wafting in and out, and it turns out one of the monitors was doing that. But it wasn't like this at the beginning. Everything was good to go. So I was like, well, we kind of went around and reset things, but things just didn't want to come back on, and I, I found the guy that, you know, had booked us who I know really well. And I said, man, I hate to cancel in the middle of a gig, but you know, we've got gear falling off like, like crazy. And he's like, Oh no. He's like, I don't want you to damage your stuff. He's like, you got to stop. Like, okay. Like, but you know, do you have another generator? He's like, well, they, the other bands use a different generator. So we tried to use that one, you know, but we couldn't get a cord long enough to it or whatever, you know, and they couldn't move it for whatever reason. And, uh, and finally we came back. And so, you know, the clock's ticking. The football game starts at 1 PM. So we have to stop then. And it's like 20 after 12 now, 25 after 12, the clock's ticking. And, uh, but we, you know, we're sort of, we're persistent. We don't like to quit. You know, we're already set up. If we can figure it out, we should, you know, play it out. And there's now more people there. So it would be good to, to play some music. And finally, the guy that was helping us with the generator, uh, we were having some trouble. We plugged it into some lights on stage just to have a litmus test as to when the thing was on and we couldn't get it on. And he's like, well, let me turn on the lights, the big halogen lights on the thing. So he turns those on and then everything lights up. And I see the, the uh, power regulator go all the way up to one sixty, And <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the, the, it is like the generators, you know, fail safe trips because that's a good thing. Cause you don't want to go much higher than that. Yeah. Yeah. And we reset it and it came back and it was, you know, full. It was like 122 and rock steady. And it, it was had just lights on to draw that to load on it. I guess so. Yeah. I would have thought having, you know, five powered speakers and a sub and, you know, three amplifiers and everything else would have been enough to, to do that. But I guess whatever was going on with the generator, the the, um, you know, the governor on it or whatever is set too low. And so I at idle, it doesn't produce enough power. But having those lights on, man, good to go. And we played out, you know, it's cool that you figured hour. it out. It is cool. I I'm, I never would have thought that turning it makes sense. And, you know, looking at it now that turning on the lights. Yeah. OK, maybe that would do it. Did but, those pedals that crapped out, were they were they ruined? No, a hundred percent of the gear came right back online instantly as soon good. as we had good current. Yeah, which was good. Yeah, it was also that was the other thing. It was like we, we kind of want to know before we leave, you know, because otherwise we got to go back to the studio and set all this crap back up and test it. You know, it's like I don't want to do uh, that. So, yeah, no, it was great. We you know, play. We play a lot of outdoor gigs and we often have generators and I know nothing about, you know, how this, I don't even, I don't think we have a power conditioner or a power regulator. I think, you know, we just have this, this breakout box and, yep. and, uh, and away we go. Yep. And so, um, but Bill takes care of all that stuff. Thank goodness, Bill, wherever you are, thank goodness for you. 
and and uh, but we do we've never had a problem on a generator we have had problems often doing this kind of chinese uh fire drill about getting the loads on different circuits right yeah. now, now our rider is in general we ask for f- um 520 amp circuits we usually get two or three 20 amp circuits and there's a little bit and when we have lights it has to be five i know that but um but we've had this various places where we're tripping breakers and you know stuff is going which is not great for your gear and is not you know no. everybody gets and everybody and we've actually maybe once or twice had in the middle of the first song had oh. power go and that's yeah, of course of course that's, that's when it goes and, well, right? and the worst part about that is it's in your head okay is this going to happen all night and you know that and now you're kind of clenched and you know yep. that's the worst case scenario right but it actually hasn't happened in a while and and uh, and we're doing long enough sound checks now where we're really testing stuff pretty well. And Bill seems to have his hand around all that type of stuff, but I can totally empathize that there's this black magic voodoo stuff about getting these things to work perfectly. Yeah. You found the combination, turn on the freaking lights, you turn on the lights. Yeah. But that was it. It was, it was like, what's the magic, you know, exactly. What's the combination to this? And I, and I have to say, if we didn't have that, that power regulator line conditioner, we would not have known what the problem was. You know what I mean? We we just I mean, this we would have plugged it all in and turned it on and everything would have been great. And then one by one, you know, equipment starts dropping like flies. Why? Well, we don't know. You know, it would have been this very nebulous thing, but at least we knew, OK, well, we know that power is lower than it's ever been, or voltage is lower than it's ever been for any gig we've ever done. So let's focus on that. And so it was, you know, it, it is good to have one of those things in your mix. They're not that expensive. So hurt you. Nick yeah. has it on his keyboard rig. Smart. Uh, but we don't yeah. have it on our sound rig, which we really should. And yeah, actually, I always wonder key- this. If he's got it on the keyboard rig, I mean, it's not conditioning the, 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 the power for everybody, but at least, you know, if he's got decent power, yeah. chances are the rest of it's going to fall in line. Yeah. Uh, it's fun though. I mean, I, mean, I like that's I, I, I don't like it, but I like it. You know, it is. That fun. is not fun, Dave. No, no, playing drums and playing a gig is fun. Troubleshooting why why things aren't going right. There's not a category of fun that you can fit that in. No, see, I'm a geek though. I I actually enjoy that stuff. I mean, I I I don't I don't. In the moment, it's like, why do I have to do this now? But it is kind of fun, like sorting it out. And you know, when you find the solution, it's like, woohoo, let's go. If it was, if it was another band, it, it would be fun. Exactly. There oh, you go. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. If I could remove myself from being responsible and caring, then yeah, it would be awesome. That's right. Yeah. Right. So net net, the wrist is strong, the chops are strong, and uh, you're back to being Dave. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm super Dave now. In fact, I just finished <laughs> I just finished a uh, uh, what a three hour rehearsal literally, and rolled in and we and we started recording the show with a, a theater gig that I'm doing this week at UNH for a show called Big Fish, and. Uh, it's actually a lot of fun. The it's a it's a big theater. Normally we would be in a pit, but they're using the pit. There's like some I don't know. There's fish or something that come out of the pit. You know they're using it for effects. So the band is uh, is all the way upstage, but n- not visible to the crowd. We are totally obscured by all the staging and everything. But being up there, I noticed during the first act, I'm like, man, I'm playing pretty loud, and it's cavernous because you know you've got these huge ceilings and everything. And uh, 
I asked at the at the break, you know, we we stopped in and we stopped a couple of times because it was the first dress rehearsal tonight. So there's the stuff to deal with, you know, both on stage and for us. And uh, and I asked at intermission, I said, am I too loud? And they said, well, yeah, actually, yes, uh, but we want you that loud. So what we're going to do is mic the rest of the pit and turn them up to match you because the drive is really good. It's like, Oh heck yeah. I'm pounded out. I'd never get to play it, you know, full volume for a theater gig. Yeah. It's great. Actually, that's kind of the way that's real life, right? You know, the drums are going to be what they're going to be. You know, you can tell the drummer go for it or not, but the, you get a mix around that acoustic. You, you, you know, do in, in most theater type styles. Yeah. Most theater gigs though, I have to be really, uh, restrained, uh, which is fine, you know, but I just, I, I found that I wasn't and it, nobody was, you know, nobody was like giving me dirty looks. It just kind of naturally happens. You get louder and you know, you sort of play. Is it particularly space. energetic music? Some of it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a ton of drums around me. I, I posted a picture on online, but it, I've got, uh, my actually a small kit. If I brought my, my studio practice kit, cause I thought it would be the right thing for this. Plus I also had to bring congas and all sorts of stuff. So I'm playing everything. I'm, I'm all over the place, which is fun. You know, it's, I, I love the challenge of this theater stuff because you just, you know, you're reading a hundred percent of the night, even just counting rests is a challenge. In fact, that's harder than playing the, the parts. Cause if you screw it up, you're doomed. So it's fun. I like it. It's total focus. Um, and, and yeah, we're having fun. It's good. It's a good group of people in the pit. Everybody's really, you know, everybody's nice. And that, that makes a big difference. You know, as you know, playing, playing in a band. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like a band for a week kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah but you got to get along. So it's good. You do. We Not do. fun if you don't. No, it's not fun. And I've been in that. But the nice part is it's a band for only a week at that point. And then, you know. You get that's, to, that's the upside of it being only for a week. Correct. Correct. But not this one. This one, everybody's good. Uh, two of the guys I played with before. So yeah, it's good. Is there it's like fun. a little community of, of uh, people who like to do this that you're going to come across yeah. over the course of, you know, many shows, you're going to probably see the same faces. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you need people that, um, that are willing, that are interested in doing this, that can read that, you know, it's a, it's a different it's a whole different vibe than playing like a rock show. Right. I mean, it, it, it's, it, there's, I mean, you're playing in music and it's fun and, and all of that, but it's, it's very, obviously very regimented. Your goal, your, your role there is to support what's happening on stage. And so, right. you know, it, it's, you don't just get to play and, and in this show, in fact, I don't think we will ever be seen by an audience member once. Um, I mean, I could, I could play in my underwear and I don't think it would matter unless the cast, <laughs> unless the cast objected. Cause they sort of walked past us a couple of times, but otherwise and that might happen. They, yeah, they would. I think they would object actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't blame them. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it, it is. There's a community of, of theater folks and, and, you know, we all wind up rep, recommending each other for, for gigs, you know, cause you'll, somebody will call you and say, Oh great. You know, you're, are you available? Yeah. Hey, do you happen to know a sax player? Uh, turns out I do, you know, and, and you recommend people that show up and know their parts and that's what everybody wants. It, it, yeah. it, there is a pressure, especially like tonight, the first night of, of dress rehearsal, cause you got to show up and it's, it, they don't expect it to be perfect. But it's near perfect is what you got to show up with, you know, and and there, there's not a small amount of stress that goes into that, at least for me, you know, making sure I've prepped and played it enough and know the parts and the parts are always 
crap. You know, they've, these, these transcriptions, even that this one was on Broadway, but you know, there's measures where there's like, I don't know. I found one measure tonight of four, four that had 10 eighth notes in it on one of the, mm-hmm. on my, on the bass drum, everything else was fine, but the bass drum, I'm like playing it. I'm like, wait a minute. What? You know, but it's going by at a fast clip. It's like, oh crap, I should have paid more attention to this. So I just played quarter notes or whatever on the bass drum. And I went back. I'm like, I don't understand. Oh yeah, it's not written right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like I've never seen this figure written this way before. It's because it doesn't make sense. The math is wrong. But math is wrong. Yeah. But it's fun. So I like it. It's good. When you talk about doing those pit, pit band things, I liken it to what I'm doing with this solo acoustic stuff and that it's, you know, at the, at my core, I'm a band guy, you know, who wants to play in a band and, and do that. And I do these other things to stretch my chops, develop my focus, develop my chops. And that's kind of what I hear. The reason that you do this, it's like Absolutely. a different thing to do yep. that, that just engages a different part of your musical brain. That hundred percent. Correct. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I yep. get it. It's cool. Yeah, it is good. And good it, and it definitely translates back when I'm playing gigs with people. I mean, it, you know, when, whenever you play music, and especially are playing it, you know, by the book, as opposed to, you know, you listen to a tune and you're like, oh, here's my interpretation of the groove for this rock tune. You're going to, when, when that happens, for the most part, I'm going to play something that's comfortable, that's already in my wheelhouse, even if it means adapting the tune a little bit. Some songs that we play, it has to be something straight and, or like the record. And so I'll learn that. But otherwise it's like, yeah, it's close enough. And this is in my wheelhouse and I can make this feel comfortable and it's good. But, um, this theater stuff, you know, most of it I have to play exactly as written. And it forces sure. me to, like, you know, do things that my brain's not used no to. Cheating. No cheating. Yeah. yeah, there's some cheating. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's not like we're getting rich doing this, Paul. <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, I don't like to cheat. I can. Nobody's going to yell at me for the most part, you know, but I, but I don't like to. And. And it's good because it, it does exactly that. It forces me to play these like things that are, oh, that's different. So, it, you know, and, and then it, that translates like, hey, I have a new uh, I got a new tool in the in the in the box. So it's good. Very cool. Yeah. Good, man. Well, onward. Glad you're back. Glad you're strong. Yeah. Glad the woodshedding is paying off for you. That's actually fairly quick that you're seeing that result. So you, yeah. you're like a finely tuned car, you know, just just get you, you know, a good tune up and you're going to see the benefits of it. That's right. Yeah, but now I won't, right? I mean, now I'll keep playing every day because I, well, this week I have to because I got to play tomorrow and Wednesday through Sunday for the show. And so that's, that's all good. But um, I'll keep doing it afterwards. I mean, it, I'm, I'm on a good, you know, I've got a good regimen now and I'm going to keep doing this, but it's not going to, you know, as, as we all know, the plateaus become longer Um because it's, you know, it's how it works. It takes, it takes a lot more work to, to move up to the next level. Very uh, true. Yeah. So I had, I, but I did this, you know, breaking my wrist and having to come out of that gave me those short plateaus because it was like every two days I could see a major improvement and, and that's inspiring. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, it forced or it allowed me to develop a good regimen and I'll, I'll stick with it. So I'll take it. It's good. Good man. Good. Yep. So How about you? the show Play we did, gigs? Yep. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you. So, so, and I'm going to tie all these thoughts together here. So the show we did last week, I actually had three or four people give me some feedback, you know, personally that they really enjoyed hearing about auditioning players. They really enjoyed, like one of the guys I play with Steve, he actually stopped me and he said, I really enjoyed that. He said, that might've been your best podcast yet. Mostly because it asked that question 
am I doing hard songs because they're hard or am I doing hard songs because they're good songs? Mm-hmm. And he said he really had to search himself for it. And, you know, and he held it up to the light a little bit. And so he appreciated that we kind of went through this process about looking about repertoire and what's the right repertoire for the right person. And so I guess uh, we're doing something right because I got a lot of personal feedback about that one, which is really cool. And then you're asking if I played. I did not play last week. So now it's been about three weeks. I am gnawing my arms off to get back on stage with the band. I'm going <laughs> don't, crazy. Don't the, do that, though, because then you got nothing to play with. <laughs> right. And the funny thing is I went to a Halloween party and there was a good band that was playing. And the band that was playing um, got me thinking about some things. And then I just noticed that we got a question from one of our from one of our listeners on our Facebook page. He, he posted three or four questions. And one of the questions was, talk more about how each of your bands decide on new additions to your playlists. And so what's interesting is, is I'm at this party. I'm jonesing to play like crazy. You know, I miss my band. I miss performing. Yep. I miss gigging. And then this band comes up and the first three or four songs they do um, were just kind of like if there was a fake book for, for, for funk songs, you know, this would have been it. I think the first song was Boogie Wonderland. And then the next song was let's get the party started. The pink song, and yep. like, they, you know, they, and they played the heck out of it. I mean, they were really, really tight band and it was a fun night and, you know, people were there to party and it got me thinking about repertoire because we're getting into that point. I think I brought this up with the house rockers. We're getting to that point where it's a time of year where we are going to introduce and learn new songs. And, and we had a good year last year. We probably added about 10 new songs. I want to turn over on a two hour gig. If it's 30 songs, I'd like to get 20 songs this year in. I really you know, want to push the band, feel fresh about everything like that. But it's funny because the way that we, in the beginning of the band, I made all the decisions. And then the feedback from the band was, well, you know, if you want us to have more skin in the game, give us a little bit of input into that. And that kind of morphed into a different type of process of, of, uh, of selecting songs. Not unlike the Mackerel Allstar band, it was mostly about, you know, you can you can suggest what you want to sing, but we had a couple of guys in the band who don't sing, and they wanted to feel a little creative input as well. Sure. So they wanted to get some you know some input. So anyway, our process has evolved, and I think I talked about this in detail a couple of weeks ago. Where I was saying this year was really interesting because um, everybody had some input, and we were willing to try everything. Often, in hindsight at the expense of maybe it wasn't the best time because the song ended up not making our regular, our regular, our regular shows. And, you know, I'd had this conversation with the guys, you know, is this the right way to do it? I mean, when, cause people would get kind of their feelings hurt if their ideas weren't accepted, but we had a great year socially with the band. The band was really play, you know, playing hard for each other on all songs. And I attribute that to everybody feeling they had a lot more skin in the game. Um, but I don't know. There was, you know, there was, several songs that, you know, they just, they didn't cut it. They didn't, they didn't quite connect with the audience. Well, that's going to happen, right? I mean, that's a normal thing where you you try something out and it doesn't work and you punt it. It is, except for there's this, and you and I have talked about this before. How many songs when you're hired to play and we're usually mostly hired to play dance gigs, how many songs that are in this category of what I call a vanity song, a song that's important to you, that you love, that you love the experience of playing and you're banking on the joy and quality of the band's interpretation of it can carry the day. So remember, I started this by saying 
this band at this party played, you know, I, we were only there for the first five or six songs and every song was a, like, you know, that song. Sure. And the lights going off with me. Yes. That's what you're there to do. Give people what they want. And then the other devil on the other shoulder is going, no, man, this is your art. You know, you should try and stretch it, you know, you know, interpret some songs, you know, deliver some things. Yeah. The devil on the other shoulder is going, why are you making this so complicated? I mean, it's a really <laughs> short path to success here. You know, people love songs they know. They love to sing along. They love to dance the songs that they've heard all their life. Why not just do that all night? And so I'm having this internal conversation at the same time that I've had this conversation with the band and said, you know, what do you guys want to do this year? And um, interestingly enough, so the, the suggestions are starting to come in. And one guy sent in a suggestion for an Earth, Wind and Fire tune that's an instrumental. And we've kind of gone down the road with an Earth, Wind and Fire instrumental. You know, it's it's and people don't won't know it. I mean, we may it's cool horn line and it could sound cool. But would you rather use that space for something that immediately grabs people and lets people, you know, get into it? So the question from Scott is hey, hang on one second before before you read the question from Scott. All right. Now, I think we've gotten uh, our connection back better and your quality back better. So back to the question. All right. So our listener, Scott, wants us to talk a little bit more about how a band decides on new additions to your playlist. And what I'm kind of sharing here is there's a democracy at work. Um, people can bring in stuff and we make the decisions. Everyone in the band can suggest stuff. Usually the horn guys don't suggest too many things. Um, they're just, they're just accustomed to like playing down whatever we put in front of them, but it's, it wouldn't be unreasonable for one of the horn guys to bring something if you want. We're doing, um, we're doing, um, freeze frame by the Jay Giles. Band. Oh yeah. That's a great tune. It is a great tune. And the trumpet player really dug that tune and he, he charted it out and, and we nailed that one down. But so this is the, this is the place right now. Like how much time do you spend on songs if you're primarily a dance band? Right. How much time do you spend on songs that, that, you know, and how many songs in a two, you know, 90% of our gigs are two hour gigs. And let's just say that, you know, they're between 28 and 30 songs. How many songs in a, in a, in a 30 song set list are the personal satisfaction songs? And, and isn't it also reasonable to say that the real pros they recognize you're there to get paid. You're there to give people what you want. Just, just play, just play the stuff. You know, there's a lot of songs out there. You know, you can, there's a lot of songs that fit that bill of, of the no brainers the, the you know, the sure hits. Yeah. Where, where's your hit on all this? Well, I, I mean, it depends on the band, right? Because with the Macworld all-star band, we definitely had, you know, if, if I, if I liken it to a business, right. Our mission statement was, Exactly that. Please the crowd and also make sure that the songs we have on the list are songs that we can play after zero or one rehearsals. Right. I mean, it was never two rehearsals. <laughs> so it, pretty much four chords. Once you got to five chords, it was going to get a little challenging. Yeah. And we played a couple of interesting tunes. I mean, we played lead boots and, and did a good job with that. Right. You know, I thought we actually did really well with that. Um, right. It was we lead boots. Played- we did. Oh, no, freeway, no, no. freeway jam was the freeway one. Freeway jam. Played. That's right. But that was me, you and me, you and Dwayne, you know, and, and Chris, you know, and, and Chris, it was kind of a jam too. It, yeah, yeah. But, it, but I mean, you know, we, we had those tunes, you know, over the course of whatever, you know, however many gigs we did, we really should count that up. But I think it was like 15 or 16 or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. 
you know, we, we had a couple, but it was probably a handful of tunes uh, that, that, you know, we, that were those, those vanity tunes to, to use your term, but the rest of them, the goal of the gig was we're all together, not just the band, but all, you know, our entire community and it's time to, to have fun and everybody needs to enjoy it. And therefore that means we got to play tunes that for the most part, the people in the room are going to know. And, and we got to play them relatively well. And so that was the litmus test at the rehearsal. Actually, before the rehearsal, the litmus test was, is it a tune that people are going to know? And then if so, great, we'll rehearse it. And if it works, awesome, we'll play it. So for that band, absolutely. You know, for a band like Chafed, it's the same kind of thing. And, and it happens organically throughout the night. You know, there is no set list. We have tunes that we know that we know. And then there's tunes that we don't know. Like, you know, I mean, we did the Thriller and the the the, the Billie Jean thing. Billie Jean, we played uh, pretty regularly. We did Monster Mash, which we've never played before. And we didn't, no one quite knew all the lyrics. So we it segued into other tunes that sort of fit that same groove and chord structure, including... You know, uh, uh, I think it was Wayne Cochran's last kiss, right? That Pearl Jam covered because it sort of fits into that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the same sort of it's the same chord structure we were playing. But still tunes that everybody knows with fling. We actually can get away with a little bit more because we've trained our crowd. Right. We play a lot of tunes that people knows. I mean, you know, Jenny, Jenny's on the list. Mustang Sally's on the list. We have no problem with anything like that. We, in fact, less than less than no problem. We enjoy it. Right. It's awesome. But we also play things like Pretzel Logic from Steely Dan. We do a lot of originals, too, which people have gotten to know now and actually request and, and that sort of thing. So it's a it's a different it depends on the band. It really it really does. And but, you know, even with Flame, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. Yeah. So here, here's where I'm coming from. You're saying it depends on the band and that you've trained your audience. Mm-hmm. My question is, what about the guy who walks in off the street? What is your shortest path? Yeah. I mean, if the goal is to keep the band working, yep. right? Do you want the band to only work on you? And so really, we could boil this down. And I'm actually beating myself up as I'm saying this stuff because it counteracts many things that I've thought myself. This is my art. And, sure. you know. It's all about proving myself right and finding that magic song that nobody else plays. And maybe it's not as good a dance song as this, but aren't I brilliant for finding this song right, yeah. and bringing it to you is what kind of what sits in my head. Yeah, yeah. But then I'm hearing this band. I'm hearing this band and they're pros and uh, they probably never changed their set list. And they probably got paid a ton of money to pay this, play this really nice party. Yep. They deliver the goods. And at the end of the day, if you were to ask every single person, how was the band? They'd say, great. Yep. Did you have a good time? Yeah. And so, are, you know, the question is, do you overthink, do you overthink this process in the art of self-expression? And if you really are after self-expression, is it in cover tunes where you should be living? Well, no, it, right. That's, that's the thing is, is well, it can be, I, there's nothing wrong with expressing yourself with a cover tune. Right. And I think it's totally possible to express yourself that way. It's a song that means something to you or allows you to connect with an audience. I mean, there's something very magical about connecting with another human via music. Right. And it doesn't matter what song you're playing. And I and I I chose human as opposed to other audience member because it can happen with band members, too. Right. You know, this is a beautiful thing. And it can happen during Mustang Sally. It doesn't have to be some obscure tune that, you know, only means something to you because, you know, it was your favorite tune. And when on the B side of whatever, you know, it, it, it can be absolutely low hanging fruit. 
And you and I have had moments like this on stage countless times and pretty much everything we've played together is low hanging fruit and, and there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you know, to, to answer your question, what do you do about the guy that walks in that that's new, right? Well, that's when you have, that's when set list structure comes in, you know, can you do, you know, two originals uh, sandwiching a, a tune like pretzel logic, you know, which, frankly fling plays the crap out of it it mm. and that's part of what keeps the song in the set list for us it's you know can we entertain with this and the answer is sometimes surprising especially with a tune like that i would never have thought in a million years when burke brought that in whatever five years ago that we would still be playing it five years later i thought it was one of those we it'd kind of run through the course and then we'd be done because it wouldn't resonate with anyone in the room ever, not even once, you know, and, and I was wrong. It resonates every time we play it, you know, people. All right. Might, again, devil's advocate though. Yep. How many, that's one that worked out. What about the ones that don't work out? Well, they, what about that moment when you're playing the one that doesn't work out? And that's the moment when it, if you really want to be a bit, you know, abstract about this, if that's the moment where someone, you know, who could have hired you for a good paying corporate gig or, you know, yep. or, you know, a series of, 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 you know, outdoor gigs or whatever it may be, if you would have filled that space with something that would have delivered the goods and got everybody you know, on the same page, is it worth the risk? Yeah, for us, it is totally because we're not relying on this for our income. Um, we get enough gigs, we create enough gigs for ourselves. And that's the other part of this, right? Is, you know, you can, you don't just have to cater to, you know, whatever works in a bar. You can, you can create your own shows, which we do quite a bit of with fling. And that's, that's very successful for us. I know you do the same thing with Dallas rockers. Uh, so yeah, it is, it is worth the risk because you wind up with these tunes that, you play really, really well. And it, you know, the one that doesn't work maybe gets played at two gigs, maybe three gigs. And then it's like, yeah, you know what? It just, and sometimes those are tunes that are low hanging fruit, right? Things that you huh. think should work and they just don't for whatever reason. So yeah. Yeah. you can't predict that, you know, you can say, I mean, Mustang Sally happens to work for us, but you know, we, um, I really wanted to play touch of gray. The Grateful Dead tune. And I figured, you know, and we've got our bass player is like, you know, the one of the biggest deadheads I know. He was totally into it. The rest of the band was into it. We tried it. We played it more than we should have live. It just never worked for uh-huh. this particular band. But it's a tune that a lot of people know. I'm not going to say everybody knows it, but it's certainly on that list of, you know, things that you can get away with playing in a bar. But we never played it well. And so that tune, even though it fits all the criteria on paper, uh, would have been the same one that turns off the the person that was going to book us because we just never delivered on it. And, yeah, so, and I'm sitting here. Remember, I'm sitting here jonesing to play, wanting to make people happy, wanting to do something meaningful. And I, I you know, I know myself, I, you know, I, I may sound <laughs> like I'm taking a hard line on it. There's yeah. no way. When it comes down to me bringing my songs to my band, right. am I going to pick only, you know, only the, the no brainers, right? So I'm right. going to continue to search for those magic songs. But it strikes me that that's, and what you said is interesting. It, you know, we're doing this for expression and you got to kind of balance. You, you have to balance it. But, but I you guess the point balance. is even the no brainers aren't no brainers, right? <laughs> th- th- songs you think will work. Don't sometimes, not always. Yeah. In fact, not even mostly. 
but sometimes they just turn into rotten eggs. It's like, well, oh, well, I don't know why it's just not a fit for, you know, this five, this group of five people or this group of 10 people, whatever, however many people you got in your band, doesn't matter. You know, it's just, well, it's the wrong fit. Just doesn't come out right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, move on. All right. So what do you do? What is your process in both bands for bringing, introducing new material? Well, I, I explained the process in Chafed. Maddie texts us, uh, you know, 10 minutes before we arrive <laughs> at the driving. Gig. Correct. And then <laughs> thankfully I have Siri, so I can now tell, you know, Siri in, via Apple Music to play a song for me so I can at least hear it before we, we have to play it on stage. Or at least half of it. What's that? Or at least half of it. Half of it. Right. Well, that, I mean, how much more do you need? Let's be honest. Exactly. Um, you know, and so that's, that, that really is Chafe's uh, modus operandi, at least to these days. It used to be a little more structured and, and with a little more lead time, but uh, these days that's how it works. In Fling, um, it's, it's more structured in that anyone can bring in a tune. Uh, every tune that someone brings in is accepted in terms of we'll at least have a discussion about it and usually we'll play it. You know, we'll somebody will show up at rehearsal. Usually it happens about four hours before rehearsal. Somebody will send out chord charts for, you know, whatever tune they want to try. And we hack through it. If we, you know, and we listen to it a little bit, you know, and, and then we hack through it and get a feel for, does this, does, you know, can we feel this in our bones at some level, even though we don't know this song yet, does it resonate somehow with us? And it's like, yeah. And then, and then the important question we've learned to ask is, okay, whoever brought it in the way that it's sort of going in this default way with the band, are you okay with this? Because if you're not speak up and maybe it means that we punt on this one, or maybe it means we change everything that we're doing about it. And that that's happened before. You know, it's not easy. There's a way that five people are going to naturally play any given song, right? Or a band is going to play any given song. It doesn't matter how many people. And, and so if you're going to, if, if the goal is to fight that natural inclination, because it's either bad or not what you wanted, that that's a much longer road to hoe, right? And so we, we got to go in eyes wide open. This is how, you know, we, we listened to it. We looked at the chord chart. We, we just bashed it out. Obviously we're not trying this in front of an audience, but is, is the general direction something that works for a, you know, the four of us that is that are you know, at some level new to this song and B the one person that brought it in. And, you know, does this fit your vision of how this was going to go? And if the answer is, yeah, pretty much, well, then it stays in the funnel and we play it a couple times more and we tune it and hone it. And we'll try all kinds of different crazy things and throw out half of them and whatever, you know, and, and try and chart it down so that we remember, oh yeah, we, we changed the outro to be like this. And we try to have some fun with it and, and inject our own little moments into these tunes that are ours and yet still, you know, keep it familiar for everybody. You know, we might, we might change the bridge a little bit. We might come out of it differently. We might do something that's ours. And, and, and it, again, that gives our, you know, us, our ability to express without really changing the song. And, and frankly, most people aren't even going to notice anyway. Um, and you know, and then it works. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's how it works. And then if it gets to the point where we feel it's relatively polished, we try it live and, um, we'll, we'll give it more, definitely give it more than one shake. Uh, because the first time out isn't always going to work. That's not, that's not enough of a test, but if after, and I the, guess most importantly, yeah. everybody in the band is, 
is signed up for this process, right? Mm-hmm. And the point I'm the point I'm making is what you don't want is for a song to be nursed along for fear of hurting someone's feelings. No, right? Playing it longer than you would, like in your band or in any recent band that you've been in, have you ever had that? You know, guy, can't you hear it? It's not working. Have you ever had to have that conversation? Well, I mean, you and I have had it with with various members of the Macworld All Star Band for sure. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I guess I've had it in fling with with people, and and perhaps it's even been had with me. We're pretty upfront about that stuff in fling. We don't the filters are are unnecessary when we enter the rehearsal room, right? There's there's no crowd. We can just be honest with each other. And it's like, yeah, don't you see this isn't working? And, and sure. usually it's like, yeah, you know, it, it, yeah. yeah, you know, th- you might not uh, want to admit it. And so it takes someone else to bring it up. But then it's like, yeah, this one's not working. You know, but and there's that, a nuance to this because um, uh, and I, I am the villain in my band about this because I always believe that we can just work it harder. You know, if it's not working, fix it and keep working it. And it takes me a lot longer to get to the place like this is just not going to hunt. This is just not going to make, you know, work, 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 keep working and you'll figure it out. I'm pretty ruthless about that. (laughs) About, about working harder or about cutting it off before it's a waste of time. Cut it. Yeah. This isn't working, (laughs) but, but not, I mean, I'm it, it hard work is not the problem for me. It, it, you know, if I see that a song needs a lot of work, but it'll get there and I still believe it'll get there, then I'm fine with it. But it's when it's just the, the direction is wrong, it, it, you know, and it's just not it's not resonating with us. Well, then it's not worth putting in any more work, you know. Um, and sometimes that's you know, I've mentioned this before. Sometimes that issue is the person who brought it. The song might be working with the band, but the person who brought it in isn't happy because it's not where they saw it going. It's like, yeah. well, Okay, that's just as important. It's like, well, if you're not happy with this, chances are you're the one singing it if you brought it in. And if you want this to be this thing that's very different than how this group of people plays it, we need to have a talk about, are we going to get it there? Or are we just going to say this is the wrong song for this band? And that's okay. You know, you, I think you mentioned that with some Springsteen tunes. You know, they, they just. Well, didn't. yeah, when we were also talking, you, you mentioned back about some, about a Grateful Dead tune. Maybe it was, maybe it was Touch of Grey. It was Touch of Grey, I mean, yeah. That is a very. It was is a very particular vibe, a very particular tone to play any Grateful Dead stuff. Yeah. If you're if you're one of those people who's really into the nuances of the dead, even though it's not played live the same way twice, there's certain um it's just a vibe that you're oh, yeah. that you probably grabbed onto that made it a song you wanted to bring into the band in the first place. Correct. That's right. And we you know, we we do play dead tunes. We play uh Scarlet Begonias and we've started messing around with Ripple. Uh, and I, and Scarlet, I mean, has been in the list for years. That's, that's locked in and it's great. And ripple, I think will actually work for us. I, I was, and that was one where you know, in my own head, I was like, Oh, well, we'll play this, but it's, I mean, this is never going to work. And then we played it. Yeah, Scarlet's like, a very interesting tune. Uh, we, we played it a few times at the house rockers. I played we it with you play, once. Yeah, that's right. You have an amazing memory, man. Yeah. We actually play a gig every year called the Begonia festival. Uh-huh. And so this obviously you're going to play this. So, um, but the very, the thing about Begonia is that it feels a little different than most. Like the, fir- I don't, I didn't know it the first time we played it. Then the first time Nick showed it to me and you know, people are like, you didn't know that one. Yeah, I didn't know it, but it is one of those songs where you can, 
it almost the tune plays the band instead of the band plays the tune, which is one of those interesting things where the parts of the song lock together. And if, and if you have a good drummer who can just kind of like a drummer and bass player, the bass line I think is really important. That yeah. song guitar parts can change, which they did certainly for the dead. Sure. But it's a very interesting groove. It's one grateful dead song that I think it's, it's almost the, the ultimate jam tune. It can be, I mean, it's very structured actually, but, um, but it has a lot of room to kind of move around and, and it, you're right. It needs that loping sort of groove. It works at a variety of tempos, but it also doesn't work at a variety of tempos. Right. I mean, it, it needs that bounce to it. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's elusive. It took us a while to get there. Uh, it was, that was one of those where we kind of knew we're like this, this one is worth the hard work. But we're not there yet. We got to keep, you know, we got to figure this out. And we finally did. Yeah. 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 But, it, you know, the, I mean, well, it probably varies of all of our tunes. It probably varies in tempo from, you know, from gig to gig the most. Probably a good, you know, 15 beats per minute. Um, is, is, is Depending pop. on where in the set it is or where, where yeah. in the set band is. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it, and it works, it works slow. It works fast. Um, it, you know, there's, there's, there's good parts to both of them. Uh, and really interesting. So we play that, uh, I think in the original key, which is B yep. and we've played it, uh, with a long sax solo at the end over that kind of, that oh. outro riff. Yeah. And B for horn players is not a happy key. I no. mean, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so our, our tenor player, who's just an all world stud, he added something to that song that just made people's hair stand up and it just changed the song. And it was one of those, it's one of those dead songs that you can make your own. I, I mean, you know, maybe you can do it with a lot of dead songs because they're more open in structure. My point to all this was many dead tunes have a vibe to them that are very uniquely dead that you can't mess around with, or they're really, and especially if you're a dead fan, bringing it to your band, Yeah, you, you feel that and hear it. That's what you're looking for your band to recreate. And I, that's the point I was making about the Springsteen stuff is when we play stuff and it, and it's very hard to recreate Springsteen stuff because a, they have two keyboard players. They have a very unique tone for a rock band. You know, it's not a very distorted sound. Yeah. And often it's not even a very overdriven sound. It's, you know, it's almost a very clean sound. It is really hard to get that kind of vintage seventies. If you want to play, you know, born to run, you know, or, or, or some of the earlier stuff, especially the instrumentation is different. The grooves are very different. The bass player is very simple, plays a very straightforward line, usually in spring scenes, and it's hard, you know, it's hard to play simple. So when you bring something to your band, you, if you're expecting it to sound like the original, it can often set you up for For disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 You've got to turn it over. I mean, it's, you know, I think for fling, the process of doing, of playing originals helped us um, at least be aware of, of that particular fact when it comes to covers as well, because somebody will bring an original in and, 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 a, and, and we've had originals show up in fling that are, you know, kind of just seeds of ideas. And we've also had originals show up that are complete tunes, but even the complete tunes, it, you know, they, they never sound like they do in the songwriter's head. Eventually they might, you know, as you, as you start to learn the players and stuff and you start to learn what you predict, what somebody would play and start, you know, crafting parts that, that, that sort of suit that, you know, each individual person. Yeah, that, that can work. But, 
But even then, you know, things are just different and, and you have to be open to that. You have to kind of take your baby, whether it's your original tune that you wrote or this, this cover tune that means a lot to you. I mean, it, and, and the emotional attachment can be the same in both cases, right? You, you know, you have to embrace it. You have to, you have to want it. Yeah. And you just have to turn it over to the band and say, I, I'm going to trust you guys with this. And I realize it's going to be different than I hear it in my head or I hear it on the record or, sure. you know, whatever that is. And, and I think that's important. Now there, now that's not to say there are some bands where the goal is to make it sound exactly like the record. Uh, tribute, tribute bands. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, I mean, I've even some seen some just cover bands that, Every song, you know, the guitar player works and gets the exact sound, you know, the drummer might even play electronics so that there's, there's that, you know, that whole thing. And, and that's, that's fine. I've never played in a band like that. So I can't say whether I would enjoy it or not. I'm sure at some level I would, and at some level it would drive me crazy, but, um, but that's okay. Every band drives me crazy. That's how it works. It's who I am. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, there's always something, but that you just kind of take that and you go with it. For sure. Yeah. Fun stuff, man. Yeah. So we're into that season and I'll have a lot to talk about, about going through this process of new songs, what we're bringing in. Uh, We have, we're a little bit different than you in that, you know, we have horn charts. Right. And if we're going to get through something in rehearsal, you got to kind of stay within the point, you know, we can't deviate too much because the charts are kind of, the horns are kind of to a certain form. And also we had previously, we had two arrangers in the, in the band, two really talented arrangers. One of them, I think I was talking about last week, one of them is moving away. Right. And, uh, and so that's just going to create a bottleneck for the other guy. So when we take a song, which I love when we do it, I mean, it's, it's actually one of the things I'm proudest about with this band is when we can take a song that didn't have horns and add meaningful horns to them. And we were blessed to have the two very good arrangers. Both of them, you know, would hear things differently and we would use them for different styles of arranging. And now, like I said, it's going to be all on, on one of the guys and, uh, you know, he can only go so fast and, you know, creating an original composition to something, you know, one guy was faster than the other guy. And one guy was, uh, he created bigger, more lush arrangements. So we might have to wait a little bit longer, but they would be when we wanted something really, you know, orchestral, one of my guys is, you know, really fantastic about that. I love when we do that. And uh, Simon has, has suggested a, a bunch of 80s songs that we want to find if we can get some horns to. And, and I think that's, you know, kind of what makes our band different. You know, we, yeah. we, we will play the stuff, you know, <laughs> and obviously, as I've shared, we might play some things you don't know to the best of our ability. But I love when we can take something. Uh, here's a good one. Jesse's Girl. So we took Jesse's Girl. And John wrote a fantastic horn chart to Jesse's girl. Like if no kidding. Rick Springfield was going to hire, you know, the tower of power horns to back him up on a tour. This is what you would get. And it's one of my favorite things that we do it, when we can take something, especially a classic rock song, because most of the funk stuff, they have horns to some degree. Sure. But when we can take a classic rock song and we can add, you know, something special that you know, you're not going to hear from anybody else. That's my favorite thing that we do. And I'm hoping that we can do a lot more of that this year. Although, like I said, there'll be a backlog because it's one guy doing all the work. But, right. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. We'll see. Yeah. 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 So that's that. That's a lot of what I'm going to be talking about. I can't I, I can't wait. To, yeah. I want to hear yeah. I want to hear what's going on. And then and then we've got to get you. Uh, we've got to, get, you know, does Bill record your shows? Cause I would love to hear snippets of that stuff as it, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it as it, as it germinates and then, and then hear the, the final product, you know, would oh, that's be, a great would idea. Be cool. Right. I think so. I think so. 
actually have some music on a show about music. Go figure. I, well, that's the thing. You know, we'll have to sort out how to deal with the licensing, but I think it's fine. We'll just slip under the radar on that. Wait till forgive, forgiveness versus permission, right? I know, I know nothing. <laughs> that's right. I don't even know what we're talking about. I don't know. I think it's time. I think that's a perfect spot to wrap up with because clearly we don't know what we're talking about. So we will see you next week, folks. Feedback at giggabpodcast.com is one way you can get in touch with us. And our Facebook group, uh, of course, called Gig Gab Podcast is the other. We would love to see you um, in either place because it's fun hearing from you. We love it. Thanks, Paul. This was a fun one, man. Thanks, Dave. Talk to you next week.